You know, many people are breathing a sigh of relief after officials uh, declared that the lava threat to the Daniel K. Inouye Highway had subsided for now. Crowds are still flocking to the lava viewing areas, and Hawaii Island Mayor Mitch Roth announced that starting tomorrow, the county will start allowing tour vehicles, 15 passengers or under, into the viewing route. Is it the end of the eruption or not? Well, no one can say for sure, but the island's main traffic artery is not in imminent danger. This morning, we talked to Ed Sniffen, the highway's administrator under the EGA administration this week, took over as director of the Hawaii Transportation Department. First off, congratulations taking over with your new position here uh, under Governor Green. Governor Green setting out a great vision for Hawaii that we can definitely feel excited and happy to support. Well, I don't know, too, about the timing on this, but with the highway no longer under immediate threat, I mean, I don't know, was that just good luck or did you uh, pray to Pele to spare the highway? It was both. It was both. We wanted to make sure that we were prepared throughout the process, but make sure that we check in with USGS to ensure what the potentials would be. Very lucky for us that the lava has slowed. Extremely lucky that it spread. It's looking like it's a far shot for the lava to get to DKI, but we're still prepared. Well, we were given that gift of time early on just to kind of button things down. Absolutely. You know, know, this low is, you know, I, I, I love it. It's something that the public and our visitors can enjoy, and that doesn't threaten any homes like the Kilauea one did. So this one was a lot different than that emergency, which is why we worked with the county to ensure we put up a safe viewing area. The last thing we'd wanted is to see some kind of catastrophe happen on the highway because of the viewing. So Mayor Roth had a great idea to make sure we set up that viewing portion to ensure everybody can be safe there. But while we're doing that, because we had the time, like you said, we wanted to make sure that we were ready in case the lava hit the highway. We overlaid the past flows to see what impact it would have, and it would be about a mile of highway, about half a mile in each direction from Monica Access Road. We set up detour plans. We worked with DLNR and DHHL, landowners of above, to see how we could set detours through that area and set up a six-month project that would finish up that detour route. But we also set up to make sure that if there was just a partial impact of the highway, that we could provide access within two to seven days for anybody through that area. Some of our listeners had concerns about the movement of, uh, let's say, garbage from the Hilo side uh, to the west side. And they were just concerned about the shape of our bridges, our infrastructure there uh, on the Hamakua coast. And rightfully so. During the last couple of years, there were times that we needed to load rate those bridges or reduce the load that we could take on them because of the conditions. But since then, luckily, we have those projects moving forward to repair those bridges and make sure they're ready. So by the Friday after the volcanic eruption started, those bridges were all repaired and we were ready to open that whole route for anyone. And so without any load rating, there would be no issues with taking buses, additional buses, large trucks or garbage trucks through those areas. It's all thanks to the county EOC, Haima, all the partners in that room that continue to have the discussions to see how we can do things better for the public. And making sure we're staying three steps ahead of the volcanic eruption to ensure we can give the public comfort that they'll be well taken care of. And I don't know what discussions you've had with the county about the uh, observatory access road since it did overrun that area and the scientists don't have access up there. But I don't know, is that your kuleana or the county's? It's both. So we worked with them. The biggest concern wasn't necessarily the access up there, but was, of course, safe traversing of that area and potential emergency response. So we made sure that we cleared that route of people who were parking illegally. There were areas along that route that you can park safely without blocking any ingress or egress. So the county did a great job of sending up their police department. Um, and DLNR sent theirs as well, their enforcement, to ensure that 
they walked that route, made sure that they worked with all of the, the public that were up there to clear it up to ensure that safe access is available. Is there uh, anything else that you want to get out now that the threat is reduced? Uh, what do we need to underscore for the general public? I hope the public understands that we are not taking a breath here. Madam Pella is taking a breather right now, and we're watching to see there's all kinds of potentials. The vents are not erupting as high anymore. There's not as much lava output anymore. And because there's a hardened front that's formed up, it slowed the, the lava progress. However, that front can pop at any time. Volumes can increase at any time. And there's a potential that the roadway could be impacted in the future. And we are making sure that we're prepared for it, both the full overrun of the highway and a a partial impact. And we're going to make sure we have plans in place so that connectivity continues throughout. And now that you're in this new post as director of the State Department of Transportation, you know, you have got more responsibilities. Anything you want to share with us with your vision for, you know, harbors, airports? The biggest push for us is to ensure that we can be a profit center for the state. We are actively chasing down federal funds to bring into Hawaii to maximize the impact that we can have for the public. For highways, it's been highways and bridges, making sure that we can increase our, our connectivity for all of our public. And that expanded into broadband. It also expanded into working with developers to see how we can incentivize development of more affordable housing. So we expanded beyond just the, the brick and mortar infrastructure ensure that we can start impacting the needs of the entire state. It's going to be the same for airports and harbors. We have resources in that area to ensure that we address our core functions first. Make sure for airports that we are, we're that welcoming point for everyone. When everybody lands in that area, they understand that they're welcome to Hawaii. They, they know how to get through that airport. They know how to get their baggage and get to their Uber and Lyft and get to those hotels to start off their trip or make their return home as pleasant as possible. For Harvard, we've got to make sure that we can make our operations a lot more efficient, ensure that we can control the cost of living or potentially reduce it. Uh, working with partners in both respects are going to be tremendous. But all of this is going to be towards ensuring that we use the resources that we have to address the big needs of the state. And as Governor Green put out, housing and education are huge. Clean energy, amazing, big for us. Food security is a big push. And making sure that we can educate our, our keiki would, would be tremendous. So those are all the pushes that we have in DOT, not just transportation-related, but connectivity-related uh, to all our communities. You know, I know with the harbors, we've got the uh, Kapalama Terminal there, the work that's underway there. And there's the perennial issue of what to do about Falls of Clyde. But, but again, the harbors are our lifeline for goods and services. You know, we've got to keep those lanes open. Absolutely. And not just open, but thriving. We want to make sure that we can maximize the efficiency in those harbors to keep the cost that all of us there are down as much as possible. Is there anything else you can share just about if and when the lava hits the highway, just about funds that we can tap for quick repairs? Absolutely. So we're working with Haima and, and our emergency responders right now ensure that we start putting applications together for FEMA funds. FEMA funds will kick in as soon as there's an impact and there needs to be debris clearance on the highway. So if lava builds up in that area, the money that we'll use to remove that lava, that's going to be FEMA funded. FEMA also helps us out with any economic impact for the public. So we're putting together costs of impacts to the public if VKI is shut down completely and everybody has to go to Hamakoko. That's based on delays, based on economic impacts of businesses and the like. Yeah, then we'll look at Federal Highways Emergency Response Funds. We use those funds anytime we're restoring critical access to an area or when we're rebuilding an infrastructure that was impacted by an event. So those funds are going to be the big ones that we use.
That was Ed Sniffen, the newly named state transportation director, who we talked to this morning about having dodged a bullet, as officials now say the Daniel K. Inouye Highway is not at risk of being overrun by lava right now. He says look for Governor Josh Green to unveil his 100-day plan for the state, which will address uh, connectivity for our uh, highways, harbors, and airports. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art. In the new exhibition, Moe Moe A, artist Noah Harders transforms found materials into fantastical works. On view now, honolulumuseum.org. Support for the conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. At this hour, two cultural groups, Mauna Kea Ohana and the Royal Order of Kamehameha, are working to clean up the area around the Mauna Kea Access Road and Pu'uhuluhulu. It's in preparation for the arrival of the Hawaiian deity Pele, as some consider Pele a family member. Cultural practitioner and native rights activist Noi Noi Wong Wilson says it's important to Native Hawaiians to make sure their house is clean when a revered ancestor visits. Lani Huli Kanahele is the great-granddaughter of the late cultural practitioner Edith Kanaka'ole uh, and works for the foundation named after her. She spoke with the conversation Stephanie Hahn about the significance of the Mauna Loa eruption to many Hawaiians. For us, like a lot of us, like younger generation, it's a huge thing for us because we've never seen it before. My grandmother has seen it. I know my great-grandmother has seen it. My mom has seen it. To be able to witness this great event is an honor because yeah it's cool to see lava but for us it's a time of lonoi kamakahiki it's a time of fertility it's a time of growth and it's a time of rest and you know it's a huge awakening for us that this is meant to happen in the time of lono pele is here or the pele and eruption is meant to be at this time because she is continuously growing the island and also cleaning out what is not needed during this time. Lono season is also about not thinking about the bad and more focused on growing and what they can improve on for the upcoming ku season. In Aotearoa, they celebrate their mauna as their own ancestor. And it's written in laws that 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 mountain is their ancestor. You know, we don't even have that here in Hawaii to recognize that the environment is our kupuna, is our ancestor. So I think that's why this eruption is a huge thing for us as Kanaka because we're actually seeing it happen Mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time. So how can people who are not indigenous to Hawaiian culture also benefit from looking at it through your lens? I've kind of been looking at that for a long time, just in the start of the eruption. It's great, like we're having a lot of people fly in. 
to Hawaii Island to just see this phenomenon happening. But to me, I don't think they're seeing it the way that we're seeing it as this life-changing event for our island, but instead seeing it as more of a benefit for themselves. They get to see lava for the first time. Like that's, um, I worked at the national park before. And so I know what it is like to be asked, where is the lava? They don't have a real reason or real intention or purpose to actually going to see it. On the 28th, me and a couple of our family members in the Kanako'ole Ohana went up to do ceremony. We didn't only do ceremony because of this event. We also did ceremony of my grandmother's sister's passing, who passed away four minutes before this eruption happened. So we want to not only honor event that's happening, but also honor all the kupunas and ancestors that have passed away. When you go and see the lava as malihini or as a visitor, have a purpose and have an intention, you can always ask practitioners, what are some, what are some ways that we can show our, our intention and our purpose in being there? Because you just looking at the lava isn't really contributing to our culture or contributing to that event that's happening. It's important for people to realize that, yes, that's our ancestor, but it's also, it, it's, it's lava. <laughs> like, just the common sense that it's, it's lava, it's dangerous, it's, it's in our kanavais, it's in our laws, in our Hawaiian laws that, you know, this is a forbidden thing, but it's a continuous thing. And it's going to continue and grow and make this island a healthier place rather than it's going to be devastating and it's going to be dangerous. I think people need to realize that, yes, lava is cool to see, but at the same time, there's always a purpose and there has to be a purpose and intention in, in order to go up there. It is in Vau Akua. It is in that space of, of Akua or of gods. That's not our place as people to be up there constantly all the time. We need to learn how to just let it happen and just come back down to Val Kanaka, to the place where Kanaka reside or people reside. So I think that's one thing that they could probably take. That was Native Hawaiian Lani Hule Kanahele talking with HPR Stephanie Hahn about the significance of the mono eruption to Native Hawaiians. We'll continue with the interview uh, in right after this break. Support for HPR comes from Magnolia Boutique and Gallery, open daily in Kahala Mall, announcing an afternoon with Oahu-based artists Nick Kuchar, noon to 3, Saturday, December 17th. Prints and beach towels available. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from Nohea Gallery at Kahala Mall, with gift ideas from Hawaii's artists, including handcrafted jewelry, handmade pottery, original art, and custom prints. NoheaGallery.com. The Mauna Loa eruption has attracted many visitors to Hawaii Island, but what is its cultural significance to Native Hawaiians? We continue our interview with the conversation Stephanie Hahn and Lani Huli Kanahele, who discuss the importance of Pele to Hawaiian women. I'm wondering if you might be able to comment also on the fact of 
Pele as a goddess, a woman deity, and any thoughts on what this might mean in a broader context of women and leadership and the environment. When I was a kid, we were taught these stories and we were taught these mo'olelo about Kopolio Pele, Pele's little sister and Pele. We were taught all these stories about different events that happened, battles that happened, learned a lot about that. I mean, we can't think of Pele as this goddess and we can't think of Kopolio Pele as this goddess or we can think of Lono as this god. But at, in the end of the day, these are just natural phenomena and natural elements that are in our environment. As Kupuna, they only told us that these things are people or goddesses so that we can remember it for future generations to come. As kids, you know, we don't understand what elements is. We don't understand what phenomena is. And so when we're told that, oh, there's this hero and there's this hero and they're battling this evil thing, it helped us understand what was going on in our environment and what our kupunas were actually doing. And so when we look at Pele, as people think that she is this woman bodily figure, even though she is considered as that vahine aihonua or vahine aipohaku, you know, she does have that, Pele has that feminine side. The way it moves is almost like how a woman's body can move. At the same time, Pele is also also masculine. You know, she's very, she's very masculine. So, you know, when women back in the day or even today, women both have feminine and masculine sides. And, you know, it's kind of our kuleana or responsibility to balance out our masculinity and our femininity. I think Pele is a great example of that. She's she's both of those things. And we can see it in the stories. We can read it in the stories of how she's like that. And that helps us better understand ourselves as women too. And it helps us find our like sense of identity. To me, it's it's always important to keep a balance within within your life and being a woman and being a man in the same body is that's ultimate power. We cannot stop the lava. <laughs> that's not gonna ever happen. We cannot stop that she is going to keep going and she's going to keep flowing until she she feels like stopping. So I think to me, it's super important to realize that, yes, sure, like it can be Tutapele, it can be, it can be this goddess if you want it to be. But always remember that this is an elemental form. That's all it is. We have it to high regard so that we remember that our environment is important. And the things that come with it is important. So that's why we keep it in a high status. And that's why people think it's it's better to just say goddess and God. We really don't need to say that. But I think a lot of people just still are stuck in that mindset. We grew up this way. This is how we learned. As Kanakooles and Kanaheles, we learned this way. And it was through chants. It was through hula. It was through newspaper articles. It was through oral presentation. It was through all of those things that we learned, all of the things that we do know today that's about Pele and that's about Polio Pele. To me, I, I feel like that's, I mean, that's just what it is. What might be your mindset 
what's one or two things, you know, if you don't have a chance to talk to somebody at the park service? Oh, you know, I would just say don't go up, (laughs) but I can't stop people from going up. You know, if you're going up there, be respectful because you are in a place of high regard. Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa in itself is very sacred to not only our people, but it is sacred throughout the entire world. Yes, it's amazing to go see lava, but please remember that this is a huge event for all Kanaka Hawaii. Like, be respectful of the Hawaiians that are going up there. As humans, we can't do anything to either stop it or we can't do anything to make it flow. But all we can do as Kanaka Hawaii is to give ho'okupu. Whether it's your your leo, your voice, your your body, hula, or it's ava, because she likes her ava. But it could be those things. But as visitors, just remember to be respectful of the place, be respectful of the people, be respectful of the event that's happening. You can go around, be like posting about the eruption, but if you're going to do that, be sure that you have intention and you have purpose behind it. Because for me as a Kanaka, I'm only going to do ceremony up there. And then once I'm done with my ceremony, I'm going to come back down. That was my purpose. That's my intention of going up there. If your intention and purpose for going up to see Mauna Loa is to see lava, then that's not a good enough intention and purpose to go up there. To me, when it's coinciding with La Kuokoa, it was amazing because to celebrate it on a time when Mauna Loa is erupting, you know, it makes me think, you know, our people were strong. Our people knew how to continue their connections. Our people knew how to expand their knowledge. And our people knew how to continue on relationships for next generations to come. That was Lani Huli Kanahele talking with HPR Stephanie Hahn about the special meaning of the Mauna Loa eruption. As many travel to see this amazing site, Kanahele hopes that understanding the cultural context of this event will lead to an appreciation of Mauna Loa as a sacred place of wonder and meaning. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. You, Casey and Zoe. You know, Hawaii is the only state surrounded by the salty Pacific Ocean. That may explain its special relationship with pa'akai, or salt. Today we conclude Salt Week with a peek at the Hawaii Theater for Youth season opener. It's inspired by the generations of Kauai families who have harvested from the Hanapepe salt flats. Lead artist Moses Goods took an HTY team to the Garden Isle to immerse themselves in salt. Here's an excerpt from the show, The Pa'akai We Bring. Here is where the transformation happens, the magical salt. From this island, this world of patches, each one made by hand. In the same way that if you sprinkle a little bit of salt on food, you preserve it, you make it last longer, 
we as storytellers and theater makers and cultural practitioners preserve stories so that it'll last for future generations. Hawaiians have a saying, pipi holo ka'au, which means if you sprinkle the tale, you sprinkle the story, it'll spread far and wide. The crystals were there all along, but it's only when the sun lifts the water away that the tiny gems choose to reveal themselves. Glistening, shimmering, salt. Conversations Lillian Song sat down with HTY's artist, artistic director, Eric Johnson, to talk about this original musical that is steeped in Hawaiian traditions of pa'akai. You know, there are lots of different ways of harvesting salt. So Hanapepe is not the only people who do that, but they're probably one of the most famous and have a traditional kuleana to that land. So we did get to get our hands dirty, turn our hands down to the earth and work and not just you know be the storytellers to tell about this story, but we actually participated in it. And it was such an honor to work with the families who've been doing this for thousands of years and be a part of that practice. And then our practice is to then take it and turn it into songs and stories and be able to gift that to young people and families all over these islands. And you know, it's looking like later on in May, we'll take this to the mainland. And then in the following year, there's even an international tour in the works. But this is the opportunity for Hawaii audiences to see it. And we brought it back around the holiday time. A big theme in the show is that pa'akai is a traditional gift that you would bring to someone. And these Hanapepe families who work so hard, they don't sell their salt. They only give it away. And I think it is such an exquisite example of aloha and that tradition of giving and what do you bring to the world is something that we really thought, you know, even the kids who aren't making their own salt would want to have, you know, that, that message at this time. You have made it very friendly for the audience, distilled these really rich generational traditions, life lessons, and this community in Hanapepe, they are opening their hands they are the guardians of this traditional knowledge for five generations to be working in those salt ponds together. You could just see the pride in Grandpa's face when he was like, yeah, my grandkids are correcting, but Grandpa does it this way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, I mean, it's just so heartwarming. It's such an inspirational piece to know that families do this together. Really appreciated how they stipulated no negativity. Mm -hmm. is ever uttered when you're working with the salt. That was something that really struck us as well, that a gift contains the mana you put into it. So don't bring bad arguments or negative feelings into the salt ponds so that when you make the salt, then the salt carries your energy. And then when you gift it to someone, you gift it with that same spirit of aloha. And I think that goes for so many things especially around the Hawaiian culture that makes Hawaii unique and beautiful. And it's going to be fun to get to share that with local families. Mm. And so another fun thing about this production is the music. I've got an earworm. E ho'opili mai, e pu'u pa'akai, e pu'u pa'akai. 
Yes, pūpa'akai, the same phrase, which is for coming together and sharing food in certain situations and sharing salt is considered part of that. And so that's a sing-along that the audience gets to do with the actors. There are several sections that are participatory where the audience is actually asked to sing or clap or be a part of the performance. And when we went about making this piece, we really thought, you know, people have been stuck at home watching Netflix for a long time now. <laughs> and we wanted the piece to feel live and to be that sharing of space together. And I know that Moses was really interested in bringing aloha and healing to young people and the communities who haven't been brought together for so long. So the whole thing feels like a big potluck, sharing stories, talking, laughing, even looking at some of the harder things that the salt farmers have faced in an age-appropriate way. Hmm. What are some of those harder things that the farmers have to deal with? Well, you know, any tradition that's passed on through generations can come up against resistance, and the lands themselves have struggled with neighbors and encroachment. And, you know, now climate change and sea level rise is changing the weather, changing some of the realities that are around them. But the resilience of the practice and the resilience of the families is so beautiful. And it is a rare thing in the world to find a community that faced with adversity doesn't clamp their hand closed, but rather opens it with aloha and says, you know, hey, these are our gifts. Let's share more salt is our way of reaching out into the world. We're not going to cling to things that are there. We're going to share and open our practice and really be intentional about passing that on. And it really comes across. Your crew has done a deep dive on Pa'akai, spending time with the community, experiencing it firsthand, in the mud, soaking in the water, in the wisdom, kind of like the salt process. It was very like the salt process. And we gained some wisdoms along the way from the people who do this practice. You know, one of the conversations we've had within the company is these families are salt families. They are so into that. But, you know, other families are volleyball families. Other families are food and eating. And other families are really into lion dancing. It's so beautiful to see families have a way of being together and drawing closer through activity, through work, through giving. That is something that really feels like this place to me. You know, the piece is a celebration. It's a celebration of the culture here, the land here, the elements that make this place so special. And people all over the world get salt in different ways. Here in Hawaii, we are surrounded by salt. You know, one of my big revelations, you know, is we were filling the beds with water from Waipuna. And, you know, it was said, you know, the salt is already there. Everything that is needed is already in the bed. You know, you've just put it in there. And now there's beautiful crystals. All it has to do is kind of reveal itself with, you know, the process of time and sun. And I think what a message for young people to know that what they have is already there. It is within them. And parallels could be made to aging and growing up, you know, and suddenly you're going to see what beautiful crystals remain within you as you go through that process. With this piece, you celebrate being one with nature in gathering salt. What has the audience response been? What oh, are you hearing? The audience response is amazing. I think people are surprised 
by, you know, you come in and you think, oh, salt, it's going to be like a bunch of instructional videos or sciencey things. But once you get into the story, everyone who comes will learn something, they'll take away something, they'll be moved in some way. And so I think that has been surprising to us in, in many ways, just how much people are hungry for connection and these some of these basic values like sharing with each other or our connection to our natural world mm -hmm. or our connection to our ancestors and our cultural world. And I think all of those stories are so important. And right. to be able to share them as a family is this is the time to do that. This is your first season back, yeah. full season back on stage. What has it been like in person? Oh my gosh, it's great to be back live. To be able to safely peel masks off the actors' faces and to see expressions and to share laughter in a room with the audience. We love the live performance. And I think that for a family to share that together, for a family to, you know, to have that carve out that special time to share a story together that they can laugh, wiggle, dance, however you know it hits them in the moment, but then carry that home. And especially this story, which is a piece of Hawaiian culture that maybe the parents know about, maybe they don't know about, but the whole family is going to share this ancient story and ancient practice and take that home with them for the holidays. We're delighted to be able to provide that space for families again. It's been a long time, and it feels great to have audiences back in the theater. That was HTY Artistic Director Eric Johnson in HPR's Lillian Song. The next performance of The Pa'akai We Bring is scheduled for 2 p.m. in Honolulu's Tenney Theater on Sunday, December 18th. The production toured Island School statewide earlier this year, and plans are in the works to bring the show to the mainland next spring and then maybe internationally. We'll share links to HTY's videos of Hanapepe family interviews and the salt-making process on the conversa conversation page of our website, hawaiipublicradio.org.